0: Leader. Tovar is an equal opportunity employer.
1: We're Cubs fans helping Cubs fans. At Stuart's Cubs Cave Parties. Everybody's in forgiving.
2: Club
3: 400 podcast is on the air, and we're doing what we say that we're going to do, is talking to the fans, talking about the people, the community of the Chicago Cubs. It's been a while since we podcasted. I got to say hi to my guys, William and John. What's going on? Stu, I've done nothing but miss you over the last, what,
4: week? Oh, you had a week off? You were I took a week off, yeah.
3: Doing a little water slide action with the family? Between the two events... And then the, the dark event, and my job, it was much needed uh, to spend time with the family. But it's good to be see you guys. You look like you're in better shape. A lot uh, of up and down on the steps. A lot, of, a lot of lot of and downs on down the steps. Yeah, okay. exactly. it's about time. So. I mean, we're in the 21st century.
0: It's about time they had elevators on those water slides.
3: <laughs> you, yeah. I agree.
0: Like, have you seen the, the height of some of these? Like, they're fun once you get up there, but it takes. Or, 10 or seconds
4: how about to get something down? like they have at the ski hills, where you just hold rope it just the rolls. rolls you
3: up? <laughs> you could do something like that, maybe. I, I was thinking about the whole time I was there. Why don't they have elevators? Because you think how much more people would go. Right. But I'll tell you what, everybody knows my size. I look pretty good out there in Wisconsin. Yeah, I bet. I, I was I are like you you s- skinny up there, man. <laughs> I, I I I look not bad. You know? They were calling him Chicago Slim. <laughs>
4: <laughs>
1: but oh to get
3: God. to our guests tonight, you know, like when we started this podcast one year ago, we basically I basically when, t- when William came up to me with the ideas, I said, I want to introduce the people that make up the community of Chicago Cubs. Uh, you know, the parking attendant, the ticket taker, you know, the guys who sells the program for 50 years, which there's a lot of those guys around there, uh, security people. And tonight, man, we got an usher on. So our very first usher from Wrigley Field, Bruce Bohr, who wrote the book Best Seat in the House, which is Diary of a Wrigley Field Usher. Bruce, thanks for coming on the show, man. I appreciate it very much. And, yes, you are Club 400's first podcast with the usher.
2: <laughs> well, I'm honored to be the first usher on the show. And thanks for having me. I appreciate
3: it. Yeah, we had Rick Kempfler on that long ago. With He uh, wrote uh, Every Cub Ever, which is one of my favorite books. And it's an amazing uh, book, isn't it? It's, it's, a, um, it's just unbelievable. I told, yeah. uh, It's one of my favorite things that I've well, you know, it's, it's
4: perfect for Stu and I too cuz we don't really read that well. <laughs> you know, and these are just short little Stu likes to call it a bathroom yeah, book. <laughs> it's a it, it, hey,
3: it, Bruce, it's a toilet book. <laughs>
4: yeah, and, I, I, it,
2: I mine is kind of a toilet book too, so uh Really? That, so, and I like so toilet books good, and I'm in good company with Rick. <laughs>
3: and Rick is a great guy and I told Bruce I I told Rick that I said Rick, it's a bathroom. He goes, "I know." But it's a really well done obviously. Yeah. It's something oh, that yeah. you could just you know, if you're taking a break from your day or you just someone mentions a player, you can go and look somebody up. But I gave one to Kaplan the other uh, the day. We saw him out at the bar and uh, he appreciated it. But yeah, well, let's get on to you, Bruce. Uh, tell okay. us about how, you know, our first question is always how How did you become a Cubs fan? Tell us about little Bruce. Well, yeah, yeah.
2: <laughs> I, uh, I grew up on the north side, so um, people think, well, no wonder you're a Cubs fan.
1: Um, I, uh,
2: but that's it wasn't an automatic thing. I grew up in a household where my my mom was an avid Cubs fan, but my dad was a diehard White Sox fan. Uh, so I had a I had a tough decision to make, and uh, I just I just remember when I was I don't know maybe five six years old, saying the words in my head you know Cubs White Sox Cubs White Sox, and the word Cubs just had a better ring to it. So uh, that's that's the logic behind how how I became a Cubs fan. And that was a long time ago, and, I, and I've been a diehard ever since.
3: Now, where did, did, uh, where did you grow up at?
2: I grew up at uh, West Rogers Park. Uh, so I was about I was two buses away from Ridley Field. Uh, and Then I moved a little bit further northwest in a place called Peterson Park and, and uh, a little bit further ride. But, you know, back in those days, kids uh, took the bus and the L, and so I went to a lot of Cub games back in the 60s. Um, those were the days where the upper deck was never open because, except sometimes on the weekends, there were just never enough people to, to make opening the upper deck worth it. So, uh, you know, lots of small crowds, lots of kids. Um, I can remember my first recollection of an usher's when uh, sitting in the grandstand on those days when there were so few people in, in the house. The ushers would come up to us in about the seventh or eighth inning and say, "Hey, would you be interested in helping us uh, stay after the game and clean up the stadium? And if we do, if you do, we'll give you free tickets for tomorrow's game." And so <laughs> I remember awesome. doing that. So, yeah, it so, was. Uh, so your team a whole was whole different story than what today.
3: So your your team was obviously the 1969 team. oh yeah, I yeah. remember
2: I remember 69 well. That was my first year of college. And I left uh, left Chicago in in uh, early September, thinking for college, thinking, you know, this is our year. And then, of course, the rest was downhill from there.
4: <laughs> who <laughs> was your uh, Who was your favorite player back then?
2: Uh, Ernie Banks, but no question, uh, Ernie was my hero. I mean, I loved Billy Williams, Ron Santo. Uh, I can name a couple of the more uh, obscure names too, but oh, I loved Ernie. He was just my favorite by far.
3: Yeah, he, he obviously, uh, Mr. Cub. And Mr. One of the, Cub, yeah. And what a great person, too. Yeah, yeah,
2: yeah, terrific so,
3: person. So you, you went to college. What did you uh, graduate with then?
2: Uh, I got a bachelor's degree in psychology, and that was at U of I in Champaign, and then went on and stayed for one more year and got a master's degree in counseling psychology wow. and went into higher education. All, my whole professional career was spent in higher ed, uh, the first few years as a counselor. And then the bulk of my career was as an administrator. I was, uh, I wound up director of admissions at Harper college in Palatine. Oh, yeah. Yeah.
3: Yeah, And, uh, you got, uh, you got married eventually or.
2: Got married. Yeah. got married. Uh, in those days, people got married young. I got married at the uh, young age of 22, uh, had a son who is also a diehard Cubs fan, Jason now have two granddaughters and, uh, we're indoctrinating them. They're already, you know, they're pretty young, but they're they're starting to follow the game and know a couple of players' names. So uh, the, uh, the 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 uh, devotion to the team will live on, uh, much to my father's chagrin. But uh, this
3: sounds like a wise family, though.
2: Yeah, yeah, I like to think so. Yeah.
3: And obviously, you're doing a good job raising up the the family. Cub fans. Was your wife a Cub fan when you met her?
2: She was a cup fan. She wasn't really that into baseball, but. Uh, you know, we went to lots of games when we were married, and, uh, and and you know, for my son mostly she did it for my son. and Lots of games, and an occasional White Sox game. Um, my sister is a is a diehard White Sox fan uh, to this day. So we, and then I have a brother who's a big Cubs fan. So we still have a lot. You know, there's always family arguments whenever we get
4: together. Well, that probably makes uh, that
2: that'll never change. Again. Yeah,
4: that makes yeah. that cross town classic probably a good time at, oh, at your oh,
2: house. Oh yeah, we always have, yeah yeah we always have a good time with that yeah.
3: So I—I uh, I mean, that's the good thing. I mean, I know a couple people right now that have retired, and because they're such big Cub fans, you know, they—they they wanted to work for the Cubs, um, mm-hmm. and I'm guessing that's kind of the route you take. Took correct? You retired, or
2: yeah? Uh, you know, when I when I first told friends and family that I was going to become a Cubs usher, they said, "Well, of course you are. You know, it's probably been your dream job for your entire life. You're such a big Cubs fan." And, and frankly, that wasn't the case. I had never even the thought never even entered my mind till uh, the summer before I retired. I retired in December, and the summer before that, I was at a game, and I just out of the corner of my eye, I happened to notice an usher. And I don't know if you're, if you're probably too young to remember, but the ushers used to wear these like red, white, and blue striped vests, so they were they really stood out back then. And I, I see this usher, and I all of a sudden the thought just entered my mind for the first time. Well, that would be kind of a cool post-retirement job to work as a Cubs usher.
3: Was well, that was Andy? So, F- was that when Andy Frane ran it or no?
2: No, this was after this was okay. after Andy Frane. Okay. Andy Frane has you know, people say to me, "Oh, so uh, how do you like being an Andy Frane usher back when I was doing that?" No, no, we're not owned by Andy Frane. We're owned by the Cubs. It's, I think Andy Frane. I think it's since the seventies that they've been gone.
4: Okay, I was so going to say it's a long time, but everybody still refers. to I know him they as call him Andy, Andy Frane. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's those classic yeah, pictures yeah.
3: you see. Yeah.
2: Right, right, in the, in the in the royal blue suits with the gold trim and the hats and the ties. Yeah, I remember. I do remember them.
3: Yeah, you know, we, we, that, that was kind of rude of me to date you like that, Bruce, but... Uh. No, no, that's okay. <laughs> when, I'm, I'm pretty old. When was the uh, first year you became an usher?
2: My first year was 2003. Um, so just to finish that story, I went down to an usher um, in between innings, and I said that this was when the idea popped into my mind, and I said well, I'll bet it's really tough to get a job as, a, as an usher at Wrigley Field. And the guy said to me, no, not really. And he, he told me how, that they hire every year, they hire new people. And he told me how to apply, and, and, and so the rest was history. And I can't tell you the number of people during my nine years as an usher who came up to me and said that very same thing. They said, boy, you have the best job in the world. I'll bet it's really tough to get this job. And, and I tell them the same thing. No, they, they do. They hire new people every year.
4: So is it a rigorous training program?
2: Um, <laughs> well, define rigorous. I I, you know. Know, there's, a, uh, there's a two, the two Saturdays, and I think they're still doing it this way. They did every year that I did it. Uh, the, the two Saturdays prior to opening day, we would have like a four to five hour orientation and training session. And the first Saturday we would convene and they would kind of go over rules and things that have changed and. Uh, how to how to carry out procedures, those kinds of things, and then the second Saturday, was spent at the ballpark, where the veteran ushers would train the young ushers about you know show where everything was and how to show people to their seats and where the restrooms are, where the concession stands are, and those kinds of things. And there was uh, a manual, a, a hundred or so page manual that we got every year, that had all the rules and regulations. And there was a test that you had, a written exam that you had to fill out uh, every year uh, to make sure that you knew your stuff. So, you know, it was somewhat rigorous, yeah. Yeah, yeah. You
3: probably more than I thought, to be honest with you. I thought they'd just say, oh, go, go patrol section 231 and make uh, sure everybody's no, got you get, t- You
2: know, t- t- they want you to know things like the history of the ballpark and where everything is and emergency procedures. And, you know, it, there's a lot of stuff to cover. Did
4: your degree in psychology come into play at all? Yes, with, with, absolutely, with unruly fans.
2: <laughs> yeah, but uh, even yes, but even more so in general. You know, there, when on a scale of one to hundred, you know, two percent are unruly. They're, most of the fans are so incredible. That my favorite two parts about the job over the nine years was talking to people, the fans from literally all over the world who would come to see Wrigley Field. You know, the mecca that Wrigley Field is. Um, and then my fellow ushers, such a great group of people. Uh, those are the two things that I really, really loved and I, and I miss the most.
3: Yeah, the, the workers, your, the people you work with become another become your work family. Like Absolutely. So many, like so there's many other jobs, you
2: know. There's definitely family. They, mm-hmm. A lot of us still get together. Um, I don't go as often as I should, but there's a monthly breakfast. And, and yeah, it really is like a family.
3: Tell us, Bruce, like you, you worked at Wrigley Field for nine years. When? Uh, right and you know you got this book out and it's got nine chapters one basically right. rep for per year uh right. tell, tell us how the, that whole idea uh you know came about
2: okay um my probably right in the beginning of my second year um i i just kept thinking boy there's so many interesting that happen interesting things that happen here in the stands and and i started just jotting down notes and i would bring them home and just put them in a pile and then One day toward the middle of the season, I thought, well, these pieces of paper, you know, cluttering up my desk. I'm just going to start entering them on the computer. And so I did. had no idea why I was doing it, what I was going to do. And then uh, it was either the end of my second year or the very beginning of my third year. I thought, well, this could make kind of an interesting book, kind of a diary of all the interesting things that happened to me as an usher and all the things I experienced. So I became a little bit more careful and, and descriptive in, in what I was writing and, and did that for the, the rest of my tenure there. And, and so the the script was pretty much there. It just had to be edited and, you know, refined uh, to make it a book.
3: That's incredible. Did someone write the book for you or did you actually write it?
2: Um, I, I wrote it. I have a friend who just happened to be an editor, coincidentally was an editor and she edited. And then um, I, I the story of how it came to be a book was interesting. I, I needed, obviously, to pitch the story, and it turns out I, I learned a lot going through this process. Most, you, you kind of need a literary agent unless you want to publish online, which was my last resort. Uh, so I, I pitched it to lots of agents, but 99% of the agents, it turns out, are in New York City. And I got a couple of bites, but nobody that really was totally interested. So I was kind of ready to, to do it online. Um, through Amazon or whatever, and I just happened to read right around that time. I just happened to see an article in the paper about a book uh, that was written by John Records Landecker, the, the WLS disc jockey, and that it was published by a local Chicago publisher. So I thought, well, I'll send them. I'll drop them a line, and within 15 minutes, it was, that was Rick Hamfer and, and Dave Stern. Within 15 minutes, they got back and he said, yes, we're very interested. Uh, let's meet and talk, and, and that's how the book became a book.
4: And they must have been really fired up since you basically had it written already.
2: Yeah, they were. They were. Wow, this is this is great. I also had a friend who was a graphic designer, so he designed the, the cover. So it just kinda of fell into place pretty easily, I think, yeah.
3: Which I think yeah. is awesome because this is kind of like um it's like this is kinda of like what you brought back to the Cubs community is a, a book that chronicles a day in the life of an usher for basically nine years, you know.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Uh, yep. yep.
3: I was going I wanted to ask you I mean obviously, obviously things are changed right now when you were working with the Cubs it was under the Chicago Tribune and now the Rickets own it but right. tell right. us tell us about a typical day for an usher from like start to beginning okay. and how many hours you usually put in a day and so forth and so on
2: Okay um, I I prefer you you had to commit to depending on the year either 40 or 48 of the games out of the 81 home games and the good news was you picked your own games at the beginning of the season. They didn't tell you when you had to work. You could tell them when you wanted to work. So that was great. And I preferred day games. I, did, you know, I grew up with day games, and I just preferred it. Um, so I would sign up for almost exclusively all um, all day games. And for a day game, a one, you know, game started at 1:20. Um, I had to be there at 11 o'clock. We had a daily briefing at 11 o'clock, which usually lasts about five ten minutes. And at that briefing, they told us things we needed to know, you know, like if there were special groups coming out, where they would be sitting, uh, who was, you know, the number one question, is, oh, who's singing the uh, Take Me Out to the Ball Game today? They would tell us that, those kinds of things. So I had to be there at 11 o'clock for that meeting. I live out in Buffalo Grove, and it's about, uh, in good traffic, about a 40, 45-minute drive from Buffalo Grove to Wrigley. So I would leave my house for a a 120 game at about 9 o'clock, and they would get me there around quarter to ten or so. Um, several of us, if I if I did get there in plenty of time, we'd meet. There. You remember the McDonald's across the street, which is no longer there. Yep. We would meet and have some coffee and talk about yesterday's game, or if there was a trade made, you know, overnight or whatever. And then about ten thirty, quarter to eleven, we'd go across the street to the ballpark, put on our uniforms, um, and go to the eleven o'clock meeting. uh, We were then told, like I said, all those updates, things we needed to know for that particular game. Uh, Then by 11.20, because that's when gates open to exactly two hours before game time, uh, we we were at our assignments. We were given, (coughs) excuse me, you were given one of several assignments. Um, You were either in the ballpark, upper deck, lower deck, bleachers, uh, or you worked uh, the gates where you took tickets back in those days. This was right before scanners. The Cubs, I think, were the last major league team to uh, in, to install scanners. So we had, remember the turnstile you used to walk through at the gate? Yeah. Uh, we had to match our ticket counts. We would actually have to count the tickets that we had and hope that we came in real close to the total that the turnstile was showing.
3: Wow, that's um, old school. Yeah, that. I mean, it wasn't that and long was, ago,
2: either, you know. Right, I know. We're talking, you know. Well, 10 years ago. So, if you like didn't, if trouble. you didn't,
3: re, you know, I have a, a turnstile here, and if you didn't reset the ticker, you're in big trouble, you know.
2: Right,
1: you know, yeah, yeah. Before the gate started, you know, right. you be throwing up way off. That's well, I mean,
2: right. it, and, uh, my first time, my first time in the gate, I was like 50, 52 off or something. They said, You did something wrong. You better go back and recount your tick. <laughs> oh, I thought they were going to fire me right then and there.
3: Is that how they used to uh, come up with the attendance? Is yeah. that, is that, that's the way then? Okay. The
2: turnstiles, yes, yeah. yes. Back in
3: the day, yeah. Yeah, and yeah. now, now, which I like the old-fashioned way, and now they're digital ticketing. I don't like yeah. digital ticketing. Um, I don't either. I get, why they, I get why they do it, but... I, well, I, I guess I, if you had
0: to be the one to count it, you're like, okay, digital's pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> but, like, if, you're, if we're up. nostalgic, I mean, all baseball fans are nostalgic at heart. We all think the past is way better than the present. We all complain yeah. about yeah. the rule changes. We complain about... You know who's watching the games and who's playing the games, but I guess digital's fine when it comes to counting because let's face it, we're not math whizzes.
3: Going off the usher thing, we'll get back into that. But was there one person that went to every turnstile and wrote down the numbers and they added them up? No, there
2: was uh, at each at each gate there was a supervisor. So there for each uh, turnstile, and what were there maybe six or eight turnstiles at each gate? And there was one supervisor at each gate, so there were at that time, I think four gates maybe that, that people could enter to the park. Uh, and then those people, we, you know you report it to your supervisor, and that's how that worked. Okay. So go, So, go, uh, so the, getting
3: back in your daily routine then.:
2: Yeah, so now, okay, so gates open 11:20, and when the first, gates first opened, you know this huge throng of people would come into the park and, and usually I was working the third base side. And, and people would just run down to the, to the bullpen, what was the bullpen in left field. And uh, that was the best place to go because, A, you, you know, lots of foul balls there. Lots of people were hoping to catch foul ball. Um, and, B, if the Cubs were going to give autographs, that's about the place that they would give autographs. So that's where most people would rush down to right off the bat. And then, you know, that last, that rush lasted maybe 10 minutes. So then from roughly 1130 to about quarter to one or so, people would just kind of saunter in, you know, slowly, leisurely. And that was one of my favorite parts because that's when you get a lot of time to talk with, like I said, people from all over about the Cubs and about baseball and about Wrigley Field. Um, And it was interesting that, you know, different teams had different, Kind of fan bases, if you will. Um, when we played the White Sox, obviously those people had a lot of animosity. Those fans. Um, I remember when the Red Sox came to town, um, they would say things like, "Now, remember, this was before the Cubs won in '16." In they say things like, "Don't worry, your time will come." We went through it for years and years and years, but you will win the World Series. You know, so they they were very empathetic and. Uh, and love to make us feel better. So different fans, you know. Like I said, had different flavors to them. Um, and then you could all. One of my favorite things too was you could always tell if it was somebody's first time at Ruby Field, because they'd they'd walk up the steps and they'd just like stare and look around and take it all in. You know. And
1: I remember one time
2: a guy, you know, did that. And he leaned over to his wife and he said, "Honey, I, I think we've arrived in heaven." <laughs> things like that. Right. Uh, one guy, one guy, an older guy. He come. He, he did the same thing. He stared. He took it on. He looks at me. He says, "It's not all black and white." You know. He was used to watching <laughs> yeah. it on, on back in the day oh, on, on oh, Channel Nine. Um, so lots of lots of stuff like that. So lots of great conversations. And then, um, you know, closer to game time, it would get real crowded again. And you know, I was working real hard, showing people where their seats were, showing them to their seats. Um, till about the midway through the first inning, um, most people showed up and were in their seats. You know, by the by the bottom half of the first. And my job then, because again I did work inside the park most of the time, in the in the um, usually in the back seats, uh, was just to make sure
1: that everybody was in. You know, who was in that
2: my section belonged in my section. That there weren't any interlopers or things like that. Uh, and then just to answer questions. And once the game started, if you were working one of those lower sections, you got this little green stool to sit on. And I just, you know, watched the game. I frankly got paid a little bit of money to watch my team play baseball. Uh, obviously I had to be responsible for my, for my section, but, um, it was a great mix of responsibility and and fun at the same time.
3: And you, and you were there at a good time, uh, what is was it? Uh, three division winners, correct? Uh, you know, obviously, yeah. you were there when Bartman was there. Uh, yeah, uh, the Bartman that was my incident. first year. Oh,
2: my Barton first was... year was the Bartman year. And uh, I'll never forget the, the Bartman game. I was sitting in my, on my little green stool, and there were five outs to go, as you know. And in my mind, I was rearranging my personal schedule. <laughs> so that I could make sure I would be available to work every series, every World Series game. That was what I was doing. And then, of course, we know what happened after that.
4: You didn't have to work.
2: <laughs> didn't have to, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but, yeah, so in 2003, 2004, I think it was 2008 and 2009, they had really good teams, too. Yeah,
3: 2007,
2: 2008. 2007, yeah, 2008, yeah. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah.
0: A decent team in 2009. They missed it by, I think, a couple, couple games, but...
3: That was a uh, um, Dusty Baker, or is that Lou Piniella? That was Lou Pinal. Uh, Lou Lou, Piniella. Lou, Lou Piniella.
2: Piniella,
3: Yeah. 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 So uh, yeah. what? So what time would you usually get out of the ballpark? Let's on, uh, say one twenty. Um, By the time you're the,
1: once, the,
2: once the game ended, uh, if you weren't working the lower boxes, then you could go home immediately after. You know, when the third when the third guy was out in that inning, you went home. But if you worked the box seats, which I often did, then you had to go down to the wall. And and make sure that, you know, nobody had any bright ideas of uh, jumping over the wall. You know, if, you, if you've never been to Wrigley and you've had a few beers, you know, it, it looks so easy to just jump over the wall so you can go on the field. Um, so we, you know, that was our job for about half hour after the game to, to protect the wall, we used to call it. Stu, was it tough
4: uh, to and jump and over? <laughs> Stu's, done, Stu's done it a few times.
2: Yeah. <laughs> legally, legally. Oh, well, legally, okay. I would. Uh, and then at that time, we took lots of pictures. I mean, throughout oh, yeah. the game, I would take lots of pictures. This was before the day of selfies, and everybody wanted pictures. Um, oh, Yeah. yeah. And, and what amazed me was, you know, I would take a picture, and, and they would say, people would say thank you, and then they'd say, okay, now you come in the picture and take a picture with us. Why would you want to pick, You know, what do you need? Well, we want to remember our day with you, our usher, at Field. So That's I'm, that's cool. A lot of pictures. That's yeah, that so
3: was nice. cool. Yeah, yeah. I I actually uh, Googled Bruce's name up, and there's a lot of pictures out there. Bruce out in the, really? the stands. Yeah, I saw yeah. at least four or five. them. Well, I mean, you got to pick those off and make sure you post them on our page. Yeah,
4: I'll have to do uh, that.
3: So,
2: uh, and then the other thing was lots of marriage proposals. Right. So many guys, young men, would come up to me and say, hey, I'm going to ask my girlfriend to marry me. Would you take a picture of, of you know, me on my knee asking her to marry me? A lot of that stuff. Huh. Um, and I would, by the, my, my second or third year, it dawned on me to say to them, well, yeah, I'll be glad to, but if you want to wait till after the game, we could go down by the dugout and take a picture, a picture by the dugout of you proposing. They thought that was you know, the greatest idea since I spread. So we did a lot of that, too.
0: Now you you had your your career and then you you, you retired and you you come into just you decide to to usher. Did you expect it to be the way it is so personable
2: and you know I I I did it I think primarily because I was a Cub fan and I thought you know how cool would that to be able to see lots right. of Cubs games, but I had no idea that just as much fun as that was would be the, the talking to people and interacting with people. That was just so much fun. Um, you know, go to Ridley Field, everybody's in a good mood, and they're very talkative and personable. So, yeah, I just that that was a, kind of a surprise to me, how much I enjoyed that.
3: Did you rotate around, or did you primarily have the same spot?
2: Um, by my third year or so, I was pretty much always in the same spot, which was, like I said, third base side, uh, box seats, Um But your first two years, they, they rotate you around, you know, they want to make sure that you know every aspect of the field, which I think is a great idea. Right. Uh, I worked the bleachers sometimes. I worked, (laughs) a couple times my first year, I worked the concourse, which, uh, back in those days, they did not have any TV monitors in Mm. the concourse. So you'd be working down there. You'd have no idea what was going on in the game. You'd hear the roar of the crowd. You didn't know if it was a home run or somebody made an error or, you know, You'd have to ask a fan who just came down the stairs. Hey, what happened? So, I didn't. I didn't like the concourse. Plus, I had to stand that all time, and uh, wasn't crazy about that. But yeah, most of the time I was working, uh, like I said, left field. Um, usually between home. I had really good assignment a lot. Usually between home and third uh, in the box seats.
3: I ask you that because like I, we as we talked about before, uh, communities and stuff like that. I mean, you know. Hasn't happened recently, but back in the day, you know, as a season ticket holder who went to a lot of games, you know, mm-hmm. my uh, usher we be, we became friends. I'm sure you you have yeah. friends. Oh yeah, friends for oh, people yeah. to this became day.
2: Friends. Got to know them and their families. Yes, yes, some some really nice people. Um, and that was another great thing, just getting you know making some new friends. Uh, yeah, lots of season ticket holders down there. It, it did surprise me at first the number of season ticket holders who didn't come to most of the games, they would sell or give their tickets
1: away. Um
2: So you, even though you worked the same section, there were lots of new faces. Always.
3: Yeah, especially because you work in the good seats, and a lot of those good seats are owned by corporate people, and they yes, give away yes. to customers and stuff, you know?
2: Exactly, yes.
3: Did, did exactly. you meet Did you meet any
4: famous people in your run?
2: Yeah, there were some celebrities, Um Interestingly, some of them just were walking around like it was you and me. I can remember Penny Marshall was there one day, you know, just talking to everybody. On the other hand, Ron Howard was one that was there one day, and I showed him to his seat. I didn't even know it was him until somebody pointed out to me he was, you know, dressed with a hat over his head and big sunglasses. A um, lot of politicians. Hmm. Um,
3: that ended up in jail. Uh, <laughs> Senator
2: Durbin goes there a lot. Or did anyway, huh?
3: I saw a lot of politicians that ended up in jail. You know, Illinois politicians.
2: Yeah, a few, a few of those. <laughs> Bogoevich was there a lot. I think the only games he's watching now are on TV.
3: <laughs> free Blago, he's been he's been in jail long <laughs> enough. Okay, I'm all about free Blago. All right.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
3: That's a first on this show. <laughs> I don't get too political, but I think he got railroaded. I mean, he I think he got put away way too long.
2: Yeah,
0: he got a tough sentence, yeah. Oh, I, mean, I mean, probably ninety nine percent. Of all your experiences in the nine years, have been great. But what's the worst experience you've had as an usher?
2: Um, well, every once in a while, you'd have uh, a uh, an aggressive kind of person um, who would who would be very antagonistic. Um, I remember one time um, we were supposed to. We were supposed to allow, if we had seats available in our section and a Chicago policeman or fireman showed you their their proof of who they worked for, we were supposed to let them sit down in our section, which we did a lot. I thought that was a really nice thing that the Cubs did. And one time I did, and uh, there were some really good seats, like in the fourth row. I said, hey, guys, take those seats. Thank you for your service. About two innings later, a woman comes up to me, and she told me, you know those two guys? You just let's sit there. And I said, "Yeah." She said, "Well, they've been drinking a lot, and they're really getting profane and 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 loud." And my, I've got my kids here, so um, I went down to them and I said, "Hey, guys, you know this is a family environment. We really need to be care. You know, cognizant of who's around." Yeah, yeah, okay. Well, we'll take care of it. Well, two innings later, she comes back. She said, "It's getting even worse." So I, you know,
1: as a as
2: an usher. We're not supposed to have to deal with those difficult situations. That's why we have security people. Right. So I went up to my supervisor, who was a security person, and I told her what was happening, and she said, "Well, go tell them they have to leave." I said, "I should go tell them they have to leave." Isn't that what you? Isn't that what you get paid the big bucks for? You know? She said, "No, no, go tell them." So I, I did, and I, you know, was a little bit, a little bit uh, dubious about it, but I did, and. Went back up the stairs and they started to follow me up the stairs. And the one guy walks by me and just walks on his merry way. And then the second guy, he comes up to me and he whispers in my ears. as he leaves. And he says, You're, a, you're a censored. He said, I hope you die in your sleep.
0: Oh my <laughs> God.
2: <laughs> and just left.
0: You're leaving a ball <laughs> <So> game. <laughs> wow.
3: <laughs> Goodness.
2: So you'd have some, some kind of ugly situations like that. But, you know, like I said, almost all the situations were great.
3: And speaking of great situations, give me um, this two-part question, all right? The greatest okay. day of your life has a usher, not because of the ball game or what happened at the game. Maybe it's just something I experienced that you had. And then and the second would be the greatest day has an usher because of the game you just witnessed. Uh, I'm sure you might have a couple, but the first two that come to mind.
2: Yeah. Mm. Uh, I can kind of... Group one of the, for the former category, that was when we were, uh, if a foul ball would, you know, come by our session, obviously we were supposed to stay back and let fans get take the ball. Well, every once in a while, nobody saw the ball or for whatever reason, it just stayed there. So I would have the opportunity to get the ball and hand it over to, a, you know, an eight or a 10 or a six-year-old kid and just made their day. That was really one of my favorite things to do. I do remember one time, though, I did that. And I pick up the ball, and I walk over to a kid, and uh, I said, here, son, would you like this ball? And he said, no, thank you. And his dad took it and then grabbed the ball out of my hand. So what do you mean, no, thank you? Of course you want that ball, kid. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, you know, that, that was always one of the best things for me as an usher. Um, in terms of games, I, this wasn't really game-related, but Ron Santo Day, the day that they retired his, Number and, and raised up the flagpole. Um, I remember it was a dark gray, kind of cold, ugly day, and you know the family was making speeches at home plate, and it was just it was just a raw day. And then when they started raising the flat, the the jersey on the flagpole. All of a sudden, the sun broke through, and it was like heaven saying, "Yeah, I've waited for this moment, and now the skies are parting, and there's Ron Santo." The number. that was very
4: cool. And it was such a long wait, so that was cool. yes, it was.
2: Yeah, and that was right in
4: your wheelhouse from the '60s teams. And
2: stuff, yes, so. yeah, oh yeah, that—that's why it was one yeah. of my one of my favorites. Yeah, um, lots of exciting games. So you know they, you know when they come back to to win it in the ninth. Um, Obviously, the years they won the division, the playoff games were fantastic. Uh, Oh, and then one game, I think it was my first year, they played the Yankees for the first time. Uh, You know, when the first time they had interleague play. And so this was the first time the Yankees had been to Wrigley Field since, I guess, the 40s or whenever they had played, you know, in the World Series. So that was a crazy day. You know, there was media from all over the world because it was such a historic, you know, the two most treasured names in baseball, the Cubs and the Yankees playing each other. Uh, that was a great day. And, and I remember one of those, it was a weekend, uh, Carrie Wood beat Roger Clemens, I remember, which was a great game. Um, I remember that
3: first and, series. That's uh, beginning of interleague play. Not very beginning, but soon after they started
2: doing that. Yeah, 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 it was. Uh, and we learned that weekend that Yankee fans, remember I said each team has different kind of personality, Yankee fans tip. Cubs fans don't tip ushers, but apparently in New York, at least Yankee Stadium—I don't think the Mets—they just automatically tip the guy, to give the the usher two or three bucks. So we wanted the Yankees to come back to really. Yeah, no off. kidding. Every <laughs> day. Yeah. yeah,
3: yeah. You were there one day when somebody in the upper deck threw an estimated thousand singles over over. Oh yeah. And someone made yeah, it a rain. High in the
2: upper deck. <laughs> Yeah, he must have. Uh, I don't know if he had a lot to drink or whatever, He must have thought this is going to be fun watching people in the lower deck scurry, you know, all over the place to collect one to collect as many one dollar bills as they could. So he throws down all these singles, and people are going nuts trying to grab one dollar bills. That was pretty funny.
3: That's yeah. classic. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. you know, there's lots of the tail uh, listeners. You can get out of his book "Best Seat in the House: Diary of a Wrigley Field Usher." Bruce, are you still going to Cub games today, and do you ever wish that you were still an usher?
2: Yeah, you know, and I wish, I, I, I do go to some. I go to maybe four or five a year, um, and it's when I'm there that I wish I really, I, I miss this. I miss the people, both my, my colleagues and the fans. Um, I don't miss the commute. That was the, the toughest part of it. And they kept adding night games, as you know, and I, I wasn't a big fan of night games. Um so I'm not sorry I I quit, but I sure miss the people and just you know just being at Wrigley Field is it's one of the great greatest places in the world. How could you not How could you not miss it?
3: Exactly, it's where where I where I go and forget and leave my life's problems and worries outside the, yeah. outside the yeah, gate. Right. You know? not right. that not right. that you
4: have any stew, but you know, well, if you did, <laughs>
3: everybody <laughs> has some. Trust <laughs> me, but and so Wrigley Field mixed <laughs> with beer, there's nothing better. That's right. <laughs>
4: Yeah, right, right. Bruce, where can people find
3: the book?
2: Uh, I think the easiest thing to do would be to uh, email me if I could give you my address, and they could just sure. tell me to send them a book and give me their address, and I'll mail one to them. Uh, my email address is BB, that's B as in boy, B as in boy, 289 at comcast.net. Um, and the book is uh, it's on, it's been marked down to $15 plus shipping. So I can, uh, if they email me with their address, I can tell them what the total would be. I can email back, and I usually get the book out within 24
3: hours. All right. That's great, because I'm definitely going to order a copy. And maybe down the line we'll have uh, your book included with one of our events. We'd we'd love to meet you and have you here out at Club 400 down the line for sure.
2: I would love to. I've just heard so much about your great place. I I can't wait to see it. That would be great.
3: Let me ask you a, a question. Uh, we'll end it off with this. But 2016 comes when win the World Series. Where were you? What were you doing? And, what, uh, how, how, I have a, you know,
2: people, people ask me, Are you going to write a uh, follow up book? I'm saying, No, you know, I, I'm not an author. You know, I mean, I wrote the book, I had good attend to do it, but it's not like I want to write four or five books. But if I did write a follow up book, here's a great story my, tw- my World Series story. Uh, I had plans to go to a friend of mine's to watch the game. Game seven, and um, which, by the way, my son, who, as I said, is an avid cousin, he and his buddy drove to Cleveland to uh, watch the last two games. So he, they went to games one and two in Chicago and then the last two games in, in Cleveland. But anyway, that's, a, that's off topic. So I went to my friend's house, and we're watching the game, and um, he had younger kids, and they started to nod off. So he put them to bed, and then he had to get up for work early in the morning, so he started to nod off. Uh, and then the rain delay came. I said, you know what, I'm going to go home. He lived about 25 minutes from me. Um, I said, I'm going to go home. There's a there's a rain delay. You're falling asleep. I'm going to go home. Well, by the time we said goodbye and I got in the car, as you know, that rain delay was very quick, and the game had resumed already. I'm like, I can't be alone in the car after all these years by myself waiting to see if the Cubs win the World Series. So I'm driving down. I was on Lake Cook Road, and I'm looking for a bar or a restaurant where I can at least be with people. And all of a sudden, there's nothing. It's all dark. Finally, uh, I'm, I'm in Barrington, and I see a restaurant up ahead. And I look, and I see that the lights are on. And I see that there's a the game is on TV. So I park the car and I go to the door and I see it says closed 10 p.m. I'm like, oh no, they're not gonna. Learn. But I knock on the door and it's all there's. The only people in there are help. And it was an Asian restaurant, a Japanese <laughs> restaurant.
1: So,
2: so I knock on the door. And I said. And they were watching. What man? Okay <laughs> uh, would I would it be okay? They said, "Sure, come on in." The bartender says, "You want a drink?" I said, "Yeah, I need a drink." <laughs> he me a drink, and th- and then they won, and we're celebrating, and I'm dancing with Asian waitresses as the covers win the world. <laughs>
4: <laughs> that
3: could be a book.
2: <laughs> yeah, that's what people said. They said, "You got to write a follow up just to write to tell
4: that story." That's awesome.
3: I'm glad yeah. I asked that question. Yeah. That's a good, that's a good way. Yeah. To write. Really. <laughs> yeah. 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 well, thanks, Bruce, for joining us. Any, anything, so any, any last questions or anything or anything uh, you got you want to throw in, Bruce, here at the end? Or?
1: No,
2: I just it was a pleasure talking to you guys. Um, and you know, I'm, I hope people. I would love to share the book with them. I think
1: I've gotten a lot of good
2: feedback. So, uh, and it makes a great present. You know, a birthday present, a holiday present, whatever. Um, so that would be great. And I would love to, like I said, come see your place. I've heard so many good things about it.
3: We will make it happen. Thank you very much, Bruce Forer, and we'll see you next time here at okay. Club 400.
2: Thanks
1: a lot. Well, I beat the drum and hold.